Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And I'm here with my partner and co-host for elder law issues, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, let's talk about grandchildren. I want you to uh, counsel a grandparent. I am a grandparent. I have some grandchildren. I don't have this many, but let's pretend like for the moment I have four or five, six grandchildren ranging in age from three to 22. I want to give them some money. And, and let's assume I want to give them some money during my life, not just to leave them money in their will, in my will, uh, though we can talk about that in a moment as well. But if I want to make gifts to grandchildren in that wide age range, how do I do it? Well, Robert, there are a lot of different ways to do it. I think you you answered one of my very first questions, which is, do you want to make a gift during your lifetime or wait until your death? When we talk about making gifts during lifetime, one of the first things that we consider, not just the, the ages of the individuals that you're going to be making gifts to, but how much money do you want to make a gift for? Are you thinking that you want to be making a gift that would be 5000 10000 maybe 15000 a year? Or are you thinking you want to make larger gifts, maybe fifty or 100000 Well, wait a minute. I heard from my friend at the Bridge Club or at the Yacht Club or someplace that I can't make gifts over $15,000. There's a federal law or something. Well, Robert, there, there are a lot of things that you might hear at your bridge game, but actually there are no rules in terms of limits on gifts. What you need to remember is, is that each year there is going to be an amount under federal law that you can make a gift to an individual and not be required to file any kind of um, gift tax return or, or declare the gift. And that has historically the past couple of years been $15,000 in 2022. That will be $16,000 a person. So you and your beautiful wife, Rhonda, can each make a gift of $16,000, each of you, to one person in 2022. In fact, you can gift $16,000 to 100 people in 2022. The point is that there are a lot of rules people are concerned about around gifting, but very seldom do we actually see any kind of gift tax return issue if you gift more than the annual limit. Well, I think 16000 sounds like a pretty generous gift anyway, so let's just stick there for a minute. I want to give 16000 each to my five grandchildren. As I say, they're, the oldest one's 22, the youngest is three. How do I do that? Well, Robert, one question I have for you is, do you want each of your grandchildren to be able to control the money themselves? If so, that's quite a bit of responsibility you might be giving the 22-year-old. We know that the three-year-old is not going to be able to balance a checkbook. So, you know, I, I think you're going to have to select somebody, at least for the younger kids, to help manage the money. There are some options like 529 plans. There are options like UTMA accounts. We could create a separate trust for each one of your grandchildren. Tell me a little bit more about the purpose of the gift, what you hope it can be used for. Well, what most of my clients tell me in similar facts is mostly what they're concerned about is education. And I think that, uh, you know, it makes sense. They're assuming that the parents, their children, can take care of shelter, food, clothing, general costs, get them new um, um, video games, whatever. But the one thing that might be an expense that they can't handle is education, particularly if the kids get into good colleges. And, you know, my grandkids are all special. They're all going to go to uh, the very finest colleges. 
Well, Robert, so you might want to consider something like a 529 plan. With a 529 plan, many people recognize that that's the kind of savings account somebody might use for college expenses. You can actually put money into a 529 plan today and use it for secondary schooling, so a private school for, say, high school or middle school. So there have been a lot of changing rules around 529 plans. In fact, I meet with people on a, on a pretty routine basis who are delighted to know that there's a bit more flexibility with a 529 plan than there may have been, say, five years ago. One thing, though, to think about, Robert, is if you're going to put the money into something like a 529 plan to be used for college, and maybe one of your grandchildren doesn't end up going to college or may have a disability or instead decides to, I don't know, go be a drummer in a very cool band and skip school, what do you want to have happen then with that money that you've set aside? I really hadn't thought about that. Um, I, I just don't think that my kids, any of them, have enough rhythm to, to be uh, rock drummers. But I suppose what I would want is to have the money uh, available for when their career flamed out and they wanted to go back to school. Can, can those 529 plans just go on forever? Well, Robert, you can have money that sits in there a very, very long time. In fact, you can have money in a 529 plan that if the individual who the 529 plan is intended to benefit does not go to school, there are ways to make transfers of that money into another 529 plan or a 529A plan, which is also known as an ABLE Act account. So there's some flexibility in what happens to the 529 plan. What about the child who, the grandchild who um, makes it very clear at age 17 that they're going to become a mechanic. They're never, wait a minute, can they use the 529 money for mechanics school? You know, Robert, the answer is maybe. It depends on the rules at that point in time. We don't have a crystal ball to look into the future that far down, down the line. But what I'll say is, is yes, you can pull money out of a 529 plan for something that would be a non-qualified expense. So let's just say that that's what your grandson decided to do. Mechanic school was not covered under the rules around a 529 plan as a qualified expense. You could still withdraw the money. You'd just end up paying a penalty on it. All right, so the 529 plan scares me a little bit, and I can't figure out which one's best. Do you happen to know which one's best, by the way? No, Robert, and I'm going to tell you something. Truth be told, 529 plans are not my favorite things. I think they can end up being a bit restrictive, although they're incredibly efficient for purposes of making gifts and taxes. You get a lot of tax-free growth if the money in your 529 plan is invested. I actually think that if you're really, really committed to making gifts for education, one of the most generous things you can do is actually create a trust and put the money into a trust for your grandchild. That's going to allow for some flexibility if the money needs to be used in a different way. And, you know, if you, you have this intent to be making gifts and it's something you want to be doing annually, well, the money that you put into the trust can be invested and it will grow. And so while there are some definitely some consequences to that, you're going to have to pay a higher rate of tax for any kind of income that is within the trust and is not distributed out, that actually might be a good long-term option for you if you want more flexibility. You mentioned something about UTMA accounts. Is that an alternative that I could use? You know, UTMA accounts are pretty pretty simple in the scope of things. The thing about a UTMA account, Robert, that you need to remember is if you put money into a UTMA account, it's going to be governed under the rules of the state where the UTMA account is opened. And in some states, that means that when somebody turns 
21, the funds will be available. And when I say the funds will be available, you have no control over the money at that point or how it's used. Can I be the, the custodian, the trustee, whatever, of the UTMA account in the meantime? You know, Robert, I think you can. Uh, that's what I recall. What I would tell you, though, is is that with the UTMA account, it you know there are a lot of banks that open these up and they don't necessarily patrol them. So if you had online access, Robert, to the account, and somehow your grandchild got a ha- got a hold of that online access, he or she could start to make transfers themselves. And so they're actually, if you were to ask me about the bells and whistles, not as secure or structured a plan as putting money into a trust. But the nice thing about the UTMA account is if I ever decided I shouldn't have made that gift, the child is not going to go to college, maybe they become a drug addict, I can just take the money back out of the account. No, Robert. Once you make the gift, you've made the gift. Even if I'm the custodian of the account? Yes. Oh, bummer. Well, what about the trust then? If I create the trust, can I terminate it and take the money back? No, Robert, I I would tell you that defeats the point of making the gift. Remember, when you make the gift at that point in time, the money is out of your estate and taking it, trying to take it back really doesn't make sense. You know, you seem so keen on the 529 plans. One idea would be to put the money into a trust and then allow the trustee to actually put some of the money into a 529 plan. That's an interesting idea because you get a little bit of the best of both worlds and you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So what you're telling me is this is a complicated problem. Absolutely. And I hate complicated problems. Well, Robert, that's why we're here and we're talking today. I want to try and simplify things for you in a way that makes you feel like you've got your vision and you're organized and you have a plan that's actually going to work when it's time to administer the plan. We meet with people all of the time who have got great ideas and schemes of ways to get money out of their estates and leave money for future generations. And sometimes people have more bells and whistles than others. Sometimes people have a lot of restrictions in mind. But ultimately, my big takeaway is it is letting go of the control of the ultimate use of those funds that is the hardest for most people to do. They're happy to make a gift, and in fact, they're okay getting it out of their estate. But to realize that you may not be around to see what happens to Billy when he turns 23 and how he wants to use the money, that can often be the hardest thing to let go of for a grandparent. Well, thanks, Elizabeth. I think um, I think we've given some um, some notion to our listeners about how complicated making gifts to grandchildren can be. And as you say, that's why we are around to counsel the grandparents about the most efficient or effective way to accomplish what they actually want to do. You've been listening to Elder Law Issues with me, Robert Fleming, and my partner and foil, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. And uh, we kind of hope that you'll join us again. Oh, by the way, we are from the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy. And if you're in the Tucson area, um, you know, you might maybe give us a call to set up an appointment to talk about your grandchildren and, and we can commiserate about the one who's going to become the rock drummer and, and, uh, and, and give you some direction. We'll talk with you then.